0: And belly and up to the 9-foot homemade oak bar Pour yourself a cold one This is the EP Podcast My name is Chris, that's Hannah Hey And uh, this episode of the EP Podcast A special episode with a very special guest Sitting down here with us at the bar in just a few minutes is brought to you by the First National Bank of Evergreen Park. You need a bank you can rely on, one that is part of the community, one that doesn't have overdraft fees, one where you use an ATM anywhere. With any fee that that ATM or bank puts on you, the First National Bank of Evergreen Park puts the money back in your charge. Therefore, no ATM fees on any ATM. That's crazy. 5.35% interest. On their eleven-month CD, four percent on a savings account. They've got stuff for the kids. I, I think that's the easiest thing, Hannah. Four percent on a savings uh, yeah, account. It's, yeah, I know. I know. It's crazy. Like, if only we could save money in this house. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll be able to save a little bit this summer. I mean, the tuition takes a break between Brother Rice, mother Macaulay and Most Holy Redeemer. Right. For, I mean, like, like I'm gonna get like a two-month break here, and then and then it goes back. Maybe I can save myself a few pennies. Uh, probably not, though. But uh, if I were able to save pennies, then I could get 4% on those yeah. pennies. Stop in and see them, that iconic building at 95th and Pulaski. Uh, see more at bankevergreenpark.com. I am super excited. Yeah. That school is coming to a close soon. And unfortunately, the one school drop-off that I still hate the most is still going on. Like the high school kids are done. Okay. They're, they're done. They've had their finals. They're done. They're out. The seven-year-old is miserable. Because he's going to be in school for another week and oh, a like half. like June 7th. He yeah, me, it's, yeah. it's brutal. He's going to be in school for a little while here. So he's just miserable. And I'm and he keeps going like, why am I in school? And why? I'm like, because you don't do Poor anything. A. Like your sister had a calculus final and an AP English test that she had to take. And your brother's taking honors German. And all you have to do is spell these six words. And you get a week <laughs> to study them. It's not the same level, big guy. That's why to get out a few weeks before you. But when I drop him off at school. I'm still coming across the most important people in Evergreen Park. It's these people that believe. And, and, and here's the thing. I don't think they're doing it meanly. Like the person I'm going to talk about, and I'm, I'm going to try to be as nondescript as possible, right? I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. But this is just a perfect example of like how oblivious people can be about the others around them. Yeah. We have a drop-off line and we have a parking lot. Okay. The parking lot is for the parents that are going to pull up their car, and get their kid out, and walk their kid to the door. Makes sense. That's what happens. The drop-off line is, pull up, when you get within a certain zone near the door, not too soon, there's a sign that says, don't drop off till you pass this sign, and then you get to the door, and it's like, all right, this is where you stop, you got to drop off. At that point, you pull up, kids get out on their own, go in. There's this one woman, who I seem to be behind every time over the last month and a half, who pulls up. And everything's moving along, man. You pull in, you're waiting in your queue. Like I pull up and as soon as I get into the queue and I've got about four or five cars, I'm like, all right, jump up, big guy. Give me a kiss. Jumps up from the backseat, gives me a kiss. He gets his backpack on. He's standing at the door like a paratrooper. Like he's ready to jump. The moment the the red light goes on, he's jumping out and running, right? He's just got to remember to shut the door. (laughs) And in reality, that's the only reason why I would have to get out of the car. If the idiot jumped out of the car and didn't shut the door. Otherwise, we keep moving. Because there's a big line behind me. Right. This woman pulls up in her fancy SUV every single time. She stops the car. She puts it in park. She gets out of the car and proceeds to open up the first back door where the daughter steps out. The daughter takes the just all of her time. And I don't blame her because she looks like she's in preschool. Okay. She's a preschooler. Yeah. She's not capable of putting her backpack on, jumping out of the car, not getting run over by somebody in the parking lot. That's why you park the car and you walk her to the door. That's why
1: you park the car. But it
0: says she's out of the thing, and now she doesn't lift the child out of the car. No, no, no. We have to wait for the child to navigate sliding out of the seat. This takes a full two minutes. Everybody just has (laughs) to wait. Okay? Now, No one's blowing their horns? The little boy gets out on the other side. He at least is capable of doing that. But then he waits- because he can't figure out how to put the book bag on his back. So mom takes care of the daughter. We've now spent a couple of minutes here watching this happen. Now, daughter walks around. Son is standing there needing his backpack put on. There are three doors open in this car at this moment. It's a full stop. The line is out into the street and curving around the school. People are sitting there going, what's the hole up here? I mean, is there an accident up here? Like, why is this taking so long? Meanwhile, mom is like, She's got her hair done. She's got her sweater on. She's got her outfit on. She's waving to people who are parked because (gasps) their kids are the same age. Oh, no. And they know to park. And she's in the line. And she's like, how are you doing? She starts having conversations. Oh, my God. Chris, I I would would be laying on my (laughs) horn. I would be that mom. I would be that mom. No, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Jumping out with the bedhead, going berserk. That would be me. If I were a stressed out parent, right? If I were trying to get to work, I'm a podcaster for crying out loud, right? Like every morning I get I get there and my son will be like, what's going on? I'm like, ah, oh, they got to get these two kids out of the car again. And I just sit there and I watch this circus that's going on, either a couple cars in front of me or directly in front of me. And, and, and you can see the exhaustion on the face of everybody else. To me, all I'm really going to do is drive my little car home and watch something on Netflix for a half hour and have breakfast because I set my own hours and I work at home, right? Yeah. Like this isn't killing me. I don't blow stop signs because I'm never late. So, I mean, like, I like this isn't killing me. But what's amazing is just watching it all back up. And now, finally, all the bags are on. And the she get then she gives the kisses to him. Again, my guy's kissing me as he's pulling in the lot. He's ready to jump out. Because he knows. I'm holding him. He's like, can I get out? Can I get out? No, we're not past the sign. You can't get out yet, buddy. He's just waiting. He's waiting. Okay. Now, they go off. And now, she's got to shut all three doors. And as she's doing it, she's talking to people. Completely oblivious. Cruise, I, would be on causing the a scene. I mean the other day, the other day it was fifteen cars back if it was one. Fifteen cars that I could see. And then as I look back in my rear view, they were stretched around the building and I couldn't see how far back it was. It could have been a block down to the next stop side. People are probably sitting there going, what the heck is going on? Y'all are too nice. <laughs> I mean, look, if somebody else were to beep, that's on them. I'm not starting to fight in the kids' school. Oh, there are enough God. people over at that school <laughs> that think I'm a jerk. Trust me. There's enough people who are like, oh, the loudmouth of the podcast. But my guy jumps out like a paratrooper because he's been trained. Because he knows. Because he, he knows for crying Because he out. knows. Pull over. Pull over in the parking space and just park there. sitting down here at the nine foot homemade oak bar with hannah and myself Hello. eric herrera is a local evergreen park veteran uh, he wrote a book a bob Hunter story in the book he describes how he's been blown up a few times by some ieds and uh he's told the story here before on the ep podcast i haven't been here for two reasons one memorial day just happened this weekend and it's a great time to sit down and talk about our vets because oh, yeah. that's really what that day is about and mm-hmm. then and then secondly um i just like having a, a drink with the guy how are you my friend i'm doing great how about you i'm good i'm good so this day you've talked to me about this before veterans days for the vets that are walking around memorial day is for those that we lost so this weekend was all about remembrance for you and uh speaking of remembering you're sitting down here with us as we're getting ready to start talking and you were You were mentioning that you were in country when Saddam Hussein was executed, right? Uh, We had an early mission that day. So
1: the streets were completely empty and we knew the hanging was happening in the middle of the night because they didn't want people to come around or videotape it, but they ended up did videotaping it. So, but, um, yeah, all of a sudden everyone just started running in the streets cheering. We kind of didn't know what was going on, but then we had to realize, oh yeah, that today's the hanging. So everyone was running in the streets, um, but, yeah, it was a good day.
0: Did you get the feeling when you were over there that they were, like, very happy he was gone? Was that the general consensus? Most of the people, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you always Some have- Some people, they had, like, you know, Saddam 2020, like, you know, posters yeah. in their front yard. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, then then they're also glad that he was gone because then they could do whatever they want. Yeah.
0: Well, then it was wide open. Then, yeah. It was wide yeah, open, yeah, open yeah. season. Yeah. Didn't end, that's for sure. Yeah. No, not at all. I got a lot I want to get to with you on this episode. Special post-Memorial Day weekend interview. Eric's got his own book, A Bomb Hunter's Story. Sounds like good summer reading to me. Do not forget about the Evergreen Park Library's summer reading kickoff party. That party is June the 10th, starting at 1.30 in the afternoon for a couple hours out there in the library parking lot. The summer reading challenge kicks off with a petting zoo. The Evergreen Park Fire Department fire trucks will be there with gear for the kids to check out, a balloon toss a video game truck provided by Rolling Video Game Chicago. Rainbow Cone is going to be there while supplies last. Then kids and adults, yes, the entire family, sign up for the summer reading challenge. Start logging the minutes you read this summer to earn prizes. It should be a great afternoon on June 10th over at the Evergreen Park Public Library. Now back to you, Eric. Where were you at? Always in Iraq or did you did you go to Afghanistan at all?
1: No, I went to Iraq both times. So yeah. Baghdad the first time and then second time. Uh a little about an hour and a half south of there it was uh um a small town called Hilla. That's where Saddam I've had heard all, of Hilla. Saddam had all his mass graves yeah. down there. So the town was being dug up. Uh they're trying to put infrastructure in there. So, yeah, that was a that was a big touchy subject going down there because it was constantly trying to get the town back up. And it was like the biggest, closest town in the area for Baghdad. So, yeah, they're
0: trying to get back on their feet when you're walking around in something like that. And, you know, it's you're in the middle of an active war, but you're also you're doing things. You're not fighting a battle every day. Do you get to the point where after you've seen enough action that like sometimes the guard comes down a little bit and you get too comfortable? Or is it something where you walk off the base, you drive off the base, you're always on alert and you have to be?
1: Oh, we're always on alert, but there's always those special days where we kind of get like that tingly feeling on the back of your neck, like something's going to happen.
0: Did you get anything like that when like that uh, when you had the bombs explode? I think you, you were in vehicles every time when you got blown up.
1: Yeah, the first incident we had on Christmas Day, we just had this inkling something was going to happen, and we were really quiet that night out, and then, yeah, fortunately it did happen that night.
0: You go through it in the book. You were part of a unit that was hunting the bombs, but then, unfortunately, when you're hunting them, sometimes they get you. Oh, we would find an IED like every other day. Yeah.
1: Sometimes we wouldn't see it. It would explode on us. I mean, I've been blown up maybe two, three times, but I have guys that four, five, six times yeah, I've been hit. a lot. So yeah, it, it's co- it's almost like second nature after a while, but um, <laughs> as, as messed up as that sounds, but yeah, just something you kind of got used to and
0: then we just had to go on. Take me through that one, the one on Christmas. Like you get the tingly feeling you're going out at night. What, what are you planning on doing that night? Do you have a specific mission and then you just happen to hit something or are you looking for something at that time? Well, the
1: messed up part about it was uh, since it was Christmas Day, No convoys were going out. And our mission is to provide safe passage for armed forces and Iraqi forces. And since no one was going to be out that day, we kind of were like, why are we going out if no one's going to be out? Right, you didn't even know why you were doing it. We're not protecting anybody. So it was a big whole thing. Uh, They finally made us go that night. And we're up um, uh, north. Did you normally
0: operate at night?
1: Yeah so isn't it
0: harder to find the bomb in the dark
1: well that's when people are most active
0: during the night okay so you're also looking for them doing stuff
1: yeah so we we would have three platoons one go out in the morning one go out in the afternoon one goes out at night so the constant the vehicles are constantly going because as soon as they come in we're hopping in we're going out so it's a constant thing um but yeah for and it's it switches like you on For two weeks, and then you go afternoon, two weeks, morning, two weeks, so you don't get complacent about it. Um, but this particular time, we were out at nights, and uh, we're up in northeast uh, Baghdad on a semi dangerous road, and uh, we ended up coming across a EFP, which is an IED that has an infrared laser on it and it detects anything that has heat on it.
0: That's crazy to me because I think that, like, I think that sometimes. You look at something on the news and you're watching that war, even that war there. And, you know, I remember like in 91 when Saddam was saber rattling and -hmm. like everybody was nervous about what was going to happen. And then Storm and Norman just goes in there and the thing was over in like (laughs) a week. Right. And you're like, I don't take these guys seriously at all. Like, I don't think I ever took Iraq seriously at all after that moment. I was like, these guys, like if we really want, we just walk right in there. You know, that's kind of how you felt. Yeah. You felt a little cocky. As mm-hmm. somebody sitting on their couch who didn't serve, unlike this, this hero over here who has served, I felt a little cocky as a teenager after that. When I <laughs> it's watched a little easy 90s, to do that. A little cocky, right? Like, but, yeah, look what we did. But I, I did, I could never imagine that, like, because normally an IED is in, is essentially, I can't remember what, what it stands for again. It's, it's a, what, what improvised explosive Improvi- device. That's what I thought. So improvised would suggest to me is something that more like insurgents, terrorists, people who don't have a lot of technical know-how how are putting there they're placing a grenade underneath something that if it gets moved the grenade goes off that's what i always imagine you're telling me they got infrared scent and heat seeking sensors on the bombs that they're setting up on the side of the road that's something i just never could have pictured in my mind if somebody called it an ied i always thought it was crude
1: no these guys know what they're doing It's called improvised because they make these explosives out of like a beeper uh a garage door opener we've even had christmas lights across the road where it's pressured since it and it's that's why it's called improvised because they just come up with these crazy ideas especially with this efp that we had right. it was what they did was they took a chunk out of the curb and then put these efps
0: molded it into a curb and put it back into the curb but now you're out there at night do you spot this thing is it something that goes off where you notice it right before it happens is it something you don't realize is there till the boom has happened?
1: The front vehicle didn't notice it. Um, so basically when an IED goes off, it's a flash of light. And then milliseconds later is the boom. And so from my point of view, I was in the second vehicle. I wasn't facing toward the IED, but in my um, windows that I have up in my gunner's hatch, I can see the flash. And then you're like, uh-oh and you're then it up goes top. off
0: are you up top in the in the humvee yeah so you're in the gunners thing up top which i would think would be a frightening place to be when something blows up because wouldn't it be safer inside the humvee instead of up top most likely but a lot of the times a problem i had my second
1: deployment was they were making ieds under the streets and everything so when it would explode the force of the explosion would actually shoot the gunners out of their hatches about 20 feet, and wow. then they would fall and break their wow. legs. So oh. so my second deployment, oh my I God. actually had to wear a harness around me, and, lock I was, you in. and I was so you attached get...
0: to the floorboard. Wow. Jeez. That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. So you guys are improvising because of their improvisation. Oh, you, yeah. have to, you have to react to everything that they're doing while you're over there.
1: Every month, every week, every day almost, we would have to improvise and adapt to what the enemy was doing.
0: So when that flash goes off in front, with that first vehicle, does everything slow down? Because, you know, you hear people, you see it in movies, everything slows down. You hear people talk about like something that happens, everything slows down. Did it slow down for you or was it boom and it happened like it was quick as it, as you would imagine it would?
1: From that point of view, yeah, it was kind of quick. But yeah, when you're in that explosion, yeah, there is kind of that slow motion where you're trying to um, get your equilibrium back. Yeah. And yeah, it, it takes a couple of seconds to realize what you're actually doing. And then
0: all of a sudden, all right, you got to do what you got to do. So now it's happened, and now it's basically, I would imagine, recovery and also making sure that it's not the beginning of a bigger ambush. Because I would think that sometimes they set things off and there's guys ready to, to start picking you off once you get out of the vehicles to help everybody, right?
1: Um, yeah, especially that night, we didn't know what was going on. So guys had to get out, go help the vehicle, had to assess it. Um, the vehicle was on fire because one of these EFPs went through the gas tank and out the other way so it did kind of start a fire um so we had to put out the fire first a fortunate one of the things that night is we didn't have enough fire extinguishers so when we actually got the fire out and tried to get the vehicle out of the area the friction of the brakes lock up if it ever gets hit so that friction started the fire again Again. also at the same time there's only one way in these vehicles we weren't actually in humvees or in these things called rg31s and all it is is a back door that you go in and out of, and it's a little narrow corridor. I mean, I'm, you see, I'm a big guy. You're so huge. I'm, I'm, this guy's a big dude sitting in my bar. So I'm gonna, as I gotta crouch down, and especially to get up to the drivers, you have to go through this little thing. And you, what I would have to do is I had to put my legs in first to sit into the driver's seat to get in, and then I would have to get out the same way. So a lot of the little guys would be the drivers. But when what happened was this EFP actually. Uh, the pressure crushed the RG a little bit, so we weren't able to get the driver out uh, because he was a little bit bigger. Oh. Um, the Um His passenger was a tall, scrawny guy, and somehow he was able to get out. Right. Um, but he passed away from his wounds. Um And also, the gunner, he kind of fell out of the hatch because we sit up in this little harness that's up there. Um, but when he came down, the pressure of the vehicle kind of pinned him in too as well. So he
0: couldn't get out as well. It's awful. And it's, you know, and you told me that you, you talk about these things, you wrote the book because it helped you get through the pain of, of going through that. You know, I mean, like I, I, we've talked before we talked on the air, we talked off the air and I always sit there and say, man, like, like, you know, why, why'd you write about it? Why do you, why do you relive it? Why do you talk about it so much? And you, you say it helps.
1: In the beginning, I would talk about it and I would just like feel sick to my stomach like I want to throw up. It wasn't until three years ago when I wrote the book, I just started writing um, and it felt better and better. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't have to hold in the story anymore. So I just, just kept writing and writing and then leaving all my emotions on the on paper. And it kind of lifted the weight off my shoulders. Surprisingly, I didn't think that would ever be able to something that would be able to do. But, yeah, it did help, and over the last three years, I've been healing ever since, and being able to talk about it uh, helps a little bit more now. It's a lot easier now. Um, I don't have to live with that on my shoulders anymore.
0: It's, a, it's an incredible story. The book itself is uh, really an interesting read. Uh, it, you know, there's some, there's some tough moments inside the book, but if you ever wanted to just get a, a really unfiltered, I believe, view of what it was like you know, and what it is like for anybody that has to go over and serve in a war zone and put their life on the line. And, and you know, and, and, the, and those that unfortunately don't come back, uh, sadly don't come back, tragically don't come back. It, it, it's, it's really a great read. And it, it, it's a, a wonderful thing. It's, it's called A Bomb Hunter Story. Eric herrero is the, the author. He's an Evergreen Park guy. I, last time I saw you, where were we at? We were at the, uh, we're at the, the war- Hawks game. No, we were at the Hawks game, that's for sure. He took me to a Hawks game. Yeah. That's amazing. He took me to a Hawks game. That's we, so cool. We saw one of the rare Blackhawk games that they won. Yeah. Those games are going to get better now because you're going to get Bedard and now it's going to be a fun time. Yeah. We almost saw a goalie fight too. Oh yeah. We saw that we were there tonight that there were going to, there was going to be a goalie fight. It was great. Like, you know, it was interesting. Like he, I, I don't know if you'll be embarrassed by me uh, um, telling the story, but I, I think it's interesting when you're with a vet and they're at a sporting event and they'll do the thing where they honor the vet. Right. They don't, they don't get like all excited about it because they were there too. Is that that's kind of a normal thing, isn't it? Like I think I asked you something about that. You're like, yeah, like, yeah. What we am I? Get it. We what get am excited. I cheering for? I was out there too. Like you were kind of <laughs> like, that's for all you people. Like I'm just here having a hot dog. You know, I'm I'm just relaxing for crying out loud.
1: Yeah, I get it. I mean, I I maybe once in a while I might stand up and clap, but at the same time I'm like. I don't know. It just, (laughs) do
0: you you feel different about who they bring out? Like, I mean, every once in a while they bring out somebody and it's like, you know, one, a bronze star and two purple hearts. And you're like, yeah, yeah. I'm standing. I'm clapping. I'm going nuts. And it's like, you know, served as a desk clerk in Wyoming for 20 years. And you're like, (laughs) I I don't know if that's the same thing. That seems very, seems very different when they're like that. Like different way of serving. worked at a desk for the air force uh, filing HR paperwork for 20 years, and they've got him standing there in the middle of, like, the baseball game or the hockey game, and you're like, I don't know if that's the same as the guy with the uh, Purple Heart or the World War II vet standing next to him. It's very different to me.
1: Yeah, so the military has, like, different <laughs> criteria for, like, ceremonies. That's actually kind of considered a ceremony, and a lot of the people that actually go out on the ice or whatever, they're not in the proper uniform. So that's kind of, like, a little highlight that I always go through. People kind of, when I watch a game, they're like, what's wrong with you them now? You sit there and you look looking at it. I can tell. We were at the Hawks game and
0: he was a little critical. He was like, he was like, ah, eh, I, I don't know. I wouldn't have thought about that. Yeah, he was just kind of shrugging it. It was out there, eh, you know, I don't know. I mean, like, is that really the same as being blown up? You know, that you were like in, in albuquerque working Albuquerque. yeah you're 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 at the recruitment <laughs> office is that really the same thing that it was interesting standing stand next to a guy who's seen battle and everyone stands up for and the desk clerk right they're standing up for the person who's not even in the right uniform like it's kind of it's kind of like i can't say anything right like i'm a jerk if i say it but i love listening to him talk about it that was a highlight for me uh, what's funny
1: is that waiting list for the hawks is five years
0: have they really? ever asked you or do you does somebody have to put you in
1: uh, you have to request it.
0: You have to request
1: it. Yeah. So
0: the desk clerk is requesting it to get tickets. That's what you're telling me.
1: Yeah. So that's
0: amazing. Okay. That's amazing. <laughs> my
1: uncle, my uncle got on the ice, uh, but he had to wait five years. So right. He was a Vietnam vet. Okay.
0: Thank God. If you would have said it, he worked in HR, I would have felt really embarrassed.
1: No, uh, he was a combat engineer in Vietnam too. So it, it, I got a lot of information from him because of it. But then he said like there was another guy. He got he talked, and there was a third guy there. That they were trying to talk to, but he went on the ice and then he like ran away and he was kind of like, well, where'd the guy go? So he was like, you seemed a little shady,
0: yeah. <laughs> but sometimes maybe you might get one of those. I don't know. I don't know whether or not this guy actually was a part of anything. Like he may have gotten that, that uniform. So that's got to drive you absolutely nuts. Oh yeah. There, I
1: don't know if you guys have, it's not on the news. Yeah. Uh, it was the biggest stolen valor ever. Uh, Sarah, I think her name is Sarah Kavanaugh. What did she do? She, she, uh, she worked for the VA claimed that she was a marine i think it was um but was actually what she was doing was she was stealing the information from soldiers dd-214s and putting them on her fake record and she even got charities she even got to give her money i think it was almost a half a million dollars she stole she just got convicted seven years in prison good
0: definitely we've covered a lot I really appreciate you sitting down with us for the show. Eric Herrera, Bomb Hunter's story. He's a, he's a vet, and, uh, you know, it just a uh, an important weekend for him just passed here. And uh, the next uh, big weekend coming up in November will be Veterans Day, and in between, you will probably see him out and about throughout Evergreen Park. Thank you, my friend.
1: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: Building relationships, supporting the community, and service. 1559 to talk about the things that are important to you and how he can help you protect them. It's now time for your EP podcast, Word on the Street, brought to you this week by Sid Sauce. They grow the peppers here in Evergreen Park. They make them into delicious hot sauces of all kinds of flavors. Like there's one right now that I'm using that is strawberry based. And you would never think that a strawberry hot sauce would be good. It's spectacular. They have a garlic hot sauce that I love putting on wings. Check out everything they have to offer. They're gonna deliver to your door. Go to SidSauce.net. If you were looking forward to walking with Mayor Burke over at Yukich Field, the Walk with the Mayor event, and then you thought to yourself, oh no, I missed it. Don't worry, it actually got rescheduled since the last time that we've spoken. The new date is June 1st, 9 a.m. It kicks off over at Yukich where the farmer's market is. The Evergreen Park Recreation Department wants to remind you that summer camp registration is now open. It starts on June 12th, goes to August 4th, kids in 1st through the 6th grade. Weekly field trips, swimming twice a week, $1,000 for the full 8 weeks. I'm actually really interested in their adult strength training class that's going to be happening. 50-minute full-body workout designed to build strong and lean muscles. It's happening Tuesdays and Thursdays. 7 to 7:45 in the morning starting on the 6th of june going towards the end of july and if you have kids out there looking to babysit i recommend the american academy of pediatrics babysitters class june the 17th the youth department putting this on kicks off at 9 a.m., goes to 3.30 in the afternoon, $60, registration open for ages 12 and older. You want to get your registration form in, though, and your payment at the youth department over at the community center by June 9th. The first of several upcoming summer concerts being put on by the Village happens on June 11th over at Klein Park, the stingrays will be playing the stingrays will be our guest on our thursday night live show 8 p.m until 9 p.m this thursday best place to watch is on youtube because you can put it up on your television you can also get it through our facebook page and twitter account very easy to watch and then i put some of the best stuff in the next episode of the ep podcast So we'll have the stingrays in there. We're going to have to talk about this thing with Most Holy Redeemer shutting down their carnival. We got teenagers getting together on Facebook and organizing a ruckus and then showing up and ruining events. And now the biggest fundraiser that Most Holy Redeemer has isn't happening. And that isn't even the most concerning thing. Like if a parish looked at the problem and said, we're going to have to hire more security and that's going to really cut into the fundraising. So maybe we should just do something else. I get that. Ridge Fest got canceled, though, for the same reason. Chicago Ridge basically said, eh, we're nervous about this, so we're shutting down our massive annual festival. This can't happen. That's dangerous. You start shutting everything down because you're nervous, and the bad guys win. Give us your viewpoint on it. Talk to us live this Thursday, 8 to 9 p.m., the EP podcast live. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. It's the EP Podcast All Things Evergreen Park. It's the EP Podcast Evergreen Park.